Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. The Eagles are on the clock, and we have it covered here for you thanks to the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. And every year, SB Nation does their community mock, where representatives from each SB Nation team site make their mock draft selections for the draft. We've reached the point where we are now at pick 21, so we have a decision to make. Before we dig in, let me introduce the other fellas from BGN Radio. First up, the maestro of MS Paint, the comptroller, Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy. <laughs> the comptroller. I like that one. I haven't heard that one. That's a Ben creation. How are you, brother? That's good. I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Also joining us from BGN Radio is the supreme leader of BGN, Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG. How are you now? Guys, all three of you here. I'm excited for this quad cast, quad pod <laughs> that we have today. It would be a quad cast. If Benjamin Solak had woken up, so I get to give him crap about this later on in another show. Just what, what are we calling it? Uh, the three of us. Is there a word for that? A trendy word we can use? We'll be the Triforce. The Triforce. The oh, Triforce yeah. pod. Boom. So la- last year, we did a Triforce show with me, BLG, and Ben a- on this topic. And the discussion was with what was remaining. It, it centered around... Christian Wilkins, which was my guy, and I made my case to to BLG, who was the GM in this scenario. And the Eagles reportedly wanted to trade up to grab him last year, so nailed that. Ben's guy was Florida safety slash nickel Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was 15th overall on both of our big boards. I went back and listened to that show this morning. Uh, he inexplicably fell to round four. Was it four? I thought it was third round. He went he went all the way to round four? Very beginning of round four, mm. 105 overall. It was crazy. Yeah, okay. Had an excellent rookie campaign doing all the things that Ben had laid out in his pitch uh, for him in that show. So there's that. Some extra context there. I think we would have both made the case for DK Metcalf if he wasn't gone in that scenario, but he'd been picked by the Ravens. In that case, we both had him as wide receiver one, top 15 player on our boards. BLG ultimately sided with me, selecting Christian Wilkins, which defensive tackle from Clemson would have been great value for where he ended up being selected in the draft with Miami at 13th overall. But that was the last year. This is this year. And we have an extra voice in the room, a different voice. So I'll stop prattling on and get get on with it. But before we move on to this year, Jimmy, I wanted your take. Uh, since you weren't with the BGN feed last year, who were, who were some of your guys that you probably would have been arguing for? Like, regardless of how that mock went, who did you really like around that 25 area for the Eagles? Christian Wilkins was a guy that, that I thought would be a really good fit. Uh, I knew they were going to have to trade up to get him. And they, like you said, they reportedly tried. I think he went like, you go like 12th or 13th or something like that. 13th. Yeah. yeah. And I, the other guy that, uh, you know, I'd heard they were interested in was Rashawn Gary, who went even before Wilkins, I think, right? So, like, yeah. I didn't I didn't like Gary uh, as, as much as I liked Wilkins. But, the, you know, as far as, like, just staying put, 
and drafting where they were at 25. I thought Jeffrey Simmons was a long shot to make it there, but I would have been interested in him. And then Marquise Brown, I thought, you know, made a lot of sense then. Certainly he would make a ton of sense if you were in this draft coming up. Uh, but yeah, so th- th- they would probably be the four guys that like I was kind of honed in on. Yeah. And Jeffrey Simmons was one that we had discussed as a possible like might have to redshirt the season because he tore his ACL training for the combine, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. But he ended up playing, we were talking before the show, ended up playing a, a good deal of football, more than I think people expected. And also played really well to the point where the the Titans felt good about letting uh, Jarrell Casey go. So look, looking at what's available in this year's scenario, we'll move on to this year, and I'll include all of the selections from this in the show notes. And of course, there will be an article up on BleedingGreenNation.com. I think the biggest WTF moment in this came when I have the realization that Justin Herbert from Oregon, the quarterback, was still on the board, and the Bucks went with Jordan Love at 14th overall. So, and Justin Herbert still at pick 21 on the board. But in this scenario, like I'm calling the, the Patriots to move back and uh, pick up a fourth. But you got to think they would have already moved up. So we'll keep it basic here. Here are the major selections that impact the Eagles in this discussion. By pick 15 with the Broncos, you've got the top three wide receivers gone as expected. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs all gone. Uh, the Falcons at 16. Took C.J. Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida. Word is his stock is a lot higher than people thought, which is a bit reminiscent of when we heard that Jair Alexander was going to be a top 15 pick, which broke the hearts of me and Ben. Alexander eventually went 18th overall to the Packers in a trade up from 27th overall. Uh, The other corner gone, which is another heartbreaker for me and Ben, is Christian Fulton from LSU at 19th overall to the Raiders. From other positions, you're looking at uh, Clavon Chason at 17th overall to the Cowboys, which would be, in my opinion, a home run pick for them. Uh, you get a safety off the board at 18th overall, Xavier McKinney from Alabama going to the Dolphins. And then going by the, the Draft Network's mock machine predictive board here, I'll read some of the top names available here in terms of their projected draft slot, and we can kind of dig into this from there. Justin Herbert, of course, quarterback, Oregon. Let's have ourselves a, a quarterback controversy, boys. Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Patrick Queen, linebacker, LSU. A lot of LSU guys. They might have been good last year. <laughs> Cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU, who I really like. Uh, Denzel Mims, wide receiver, Baylor. That's a discussion that me and Ben had. Mims versus Jefferson. Who would you take? So on and so forth on the uh, last Kist and Solak show. Kenneth Murray, linebacker, Oklahoma as well. I think that's a pretty good spread and representation of what the Eagles could be looking at on night one if they stay pat. And of course, there may be other names that pop up in the discussion here. But looking at how things shook out, BLG, how are you feeling about the meat left on the bone here? So there wasn't like a pick that I guess instantly I made of my own slam dunk. Usually, uh, if I am feeling any kind of hesitation at all, I consult my war room, which consists of Jimmy Kemsky, uh, Dan Klausner is in there, uh, Dave Mangles, obviously Kiss and Solak as well. Uh, a number of people from the BGN staff here currently and formerly, you know, kind of get some opinions and, and you know, just like Harry Roseman, just consult with everyone, get as much information as I can. Do you like sausage? Do you like pepperoni? You know, whatever <laughs> food metaphor you want to throw in there. I forgot about that one. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have like a slam dunk, like no brain. Like if, like if Henry Ruggs was here, let's say, you know, then I just I make that pick. I, I'm not even consulting anyone. I'm just like, all right, we're doing that. Boom. Um, but I, I did have some options I did like. Um, it wasn't like the, the, the board was empty and I didn't know what to do. I did have a preference. 
Um, so that's that's what, what I was thinking when I was on the clock here. So maybe we can kind of look at it. Maybe we'll go like position by position here because I, I think we can talk about draft needs within the framework of this discussion as far as what the Eagles are looking at. Obviously, the biggest need is wide receiver. So you're looking at Justin Jefferson against Denzel Mims. Now, when me and Solak talked, which I just referred to, we had an in-depth discussion about this. Who would you take at 21? Who do you prefer? We both landed on Mims, and you can go back and listen to that for for more context. But uh, Jimmy, I think you're more of a Justin Jefferson guy. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I like Jefferson better than Mims. Okay. You want to elaborate on that? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I just think he's better. I liked Mims. Like He was a guy that I profiled pretty early on in the uh, college football season. You know, heading into the Senior Bowl, I think the one concern about him was his route running, and that he, they didn't, you know, they don't they don't run a really diverse route tree at uh, at Baylor. And he had a track background, so there wasn't any concern really about his athleticism. He has good size, um, can catch the football. But as far as the route tree goes, there were concerns heading you know heading into this offseason. And the Senior Bowl, I thought he was really good. Like I thought his routes were perfectly fine, and he was clearly, in my opinion, the best wide receiver. Uh, among that group that included, you know, other decent players like like Van Jefferson. And he, he was a guy that, you know, I think really helped himself at the Senior Bowl. But I wonder if there's, you know, just is there really that one trait that really stands out about him that mm. like that, that really part, wows basically. you? Like, I think he kind of checks most of the boxes in terms of um, what you want in a player. But are there really any elite traits that he has? And I'm not sure that there are, whereas Jefferson – you know, really has a knack for for getting open and, and running routes. I, I understand where people are a little hesitant in terms of the fit with Jefferson because what he's going to do is he's going to find open holes in the zone and he's going to be able to beat man coverage. But he's basically mostly going to be doing his work, you know, in the middle of the field, you know, in between the hashes. And you already have a couple guys in Ertz and, and Goddard who are going to be kind of working that same area of the field. So I understand that. However, you look at like the number of targets that uh, Nelson Aguilar has gotten over the last few years, and I, I don't think um, it's a situation where Jefferson's going to Jefferson's going to be lacking in that department. Like they'll find ways to use him, and he's just a really good player to me. Who's going to who's going to help you move the chains? I think he's going to be really good in the short to you know intermediate areas areas of the of of the defense, and you know he can work the deeper areas as well. You know, not a guy that's going to blow the top off the defense, but I think he can make plays at every level. BLG, where do you land on like the redundancy debate with Justin Jefferson? And also, like, is that who you're preferring over Mims? Not necessarily who you would take at 21 because there's other players to discuss, but do you land with uh, with Kemsky on this one? Yeah, so at the beginning of the draft process here, kind of like I remember Daniel Jeremiah was on a call. I think it was, I guess it was like before the combine. Uh, that that Monday or whatever before the combine started, and the way he was describing Justin Jefferson as one of the top receivers who could make sense for the Eagles, uh, and because he thought like you know Henry Ruggs wasn't going to be there, uh, that's kind of when I started to think about Jefferson more and more as a realistic target. Obviously, DJ has really good connections with the Eagles, so, you know you kind of want to pay attention to that. I didn't love the sound of it at first because like man, another guy who is not really a burner. Like the Eagles need a burner. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with Jimmy at the, at the like early in the off season about how uh, I think it was when he wrote up a mock draft and he had T Higgins in there and he was talking about how uh, <laughs> like Jerk. something Jimmy said was to the effect of like the Eagles don't just need one thing at receiver like they don't they, they need everything at receiver like because they have nothing at receiver they they need to add almost everything and I think I've come around to agree with that more. Um, I still want a burner almost at any cost, but 
I feel like the bottom line is like they need to add a good player at wide receiver. And I think when you look at Justin Jefferson's profile and uh, the, in terms of like risk, because, you know, the, the draft is a, a crapshoot to some extent. Um, that's that's no secret. That's a, a commonly used phrase. When you look at the Eagles history of drafting receivers, it ain't great. It's not, yeah. it's not very good. They don't really know. Uh, you could you could make the case they don't really know what they're looking at, or, or if they do, uh, they haven't been able to develop that talent either. And I just think when you look at Jefferson's profile, um, he might not be that home run pick uh, in in the sense like he's not going to be like the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, he might not be this elite player, this elite number one wide receiver. But I don't know if that's what they need. I mean, ideally, sure. But like, I don't know that they need that as much as they need just to get someone who is actually good for Carson Wentz. I, I don't think they're in a position to swing for the fences as much as they, they kind of need to stack doubles. Uh, yeah. is, is the way that again going back to DJ, he kind of he said that like uh, in this draft, a lot of teams should be looking to, like kind of more stack doubles than the swing for the fences, especially with so much unknown given the coronavirus and, and everything that's going on. So I just when you, I think when you look at Jefferson's profile, there's just so much there that like I'm comfortable he's not going to be a bad player, and I think there's like a lot of value in that because the Eagles have gotten a lot of bad players at wide receivers specifically. Uh, and I just, I just like it. I just like his profile. I think it's a good bet to make. I, I get like a little, I'm of a couple minds of it again, because you go back to the explosive thing and the Eagles have struggled for two years and their offense has been like so unesthetically pleasing, uh, to, to watch, um, does that make sense? Unesthetically, it has been yeah, so bad. It works. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, it has, it, it, the point is, it's been so bad to watch. It's been so like plotting and, I, I fear that Jefferson like could add to that in the fact, but I also think he's just so good that like you kind of have to issue fit a little bit here and, uh, and just get a player you know who's really good. Yeah, I see those points, and I would agree that Justin Jefferson is probably the safer pick. He's definitely got the higher floor. Like when I comped into Juju Smith-Schuster, I was basically saying like he could be Juju with and without AB, and that's good and bad, but that bad is still good. That's a decent floor. That's a good player, and ultimately, like you said – yeah, you want speed. You want to add speed. And maybe they add a burner in, in day three. I just put out an article for BleedingGreenNation.com that's detailing some guys that ran in the four threes or low four fours that the Eagles could look at in day three and maybe double dip and, and add speed that way. But at the same time, like w- one of the biggest things for the Eagles last year is that none of their wide receivers were making plays. Like how many times did a wide receiver bail out Carson Wentz? So it, it didn't happen very often. And I felt like the offense – unnecessarily restricted itself in the middle portions of the seasons because of the talent they or the, the dearth of talent that they were dealing with at the wide receiver position. As they started to open the offense more up in the last month, they, they got explosive plays. They were able to manufacture some things. So I think if you add talent, those explosive plays will come. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a 4-2-7 guy on the roster. And, you know, depending on Deshaun and everything like that, his health, you, you have you have one of those guys. I think you still need a backup plan to that. Last year, the backup plan was Nelson Aguilar. He had no problem getting open deep. His problem was finishing deep. So they need guys to make plays. They need good players and whatnot. So I, I definitely get your point there. Mims is definitely more of a projection. Um, let, let's kind of shift the discussion over to maybe what we feel is the second biggest need. Because what we're looking at here is... The remaining players, Grant Telpit is a safety, Jeff Gladney's a cornerback, and then you have the two linebackers, Patrick Queen, 
Kenneth Murray, and then we could talk about others if you like. But Jimmy, what do you feel is the second biggest need on this team? What is the most important need? Because linebacker might right. be the yeah. biggest need, but <laughs> yeah. wh- which is the highest impact? Yeah, that's how I kind of put it. Like if you're if you're weighting it on um, uh, positional importance, then I'd have cornerback number two. Uh, okay. If you're not doing that, if you're just looking solely at the depth chart, then clearly linebacker is. I mean, your best linebacker right now is Nate Gary. So, like, you can yeah. really use help at the linebacker spot, but, you know, obviously, cornerback is a more important position, and that's certainly the way that the Eagles see it. You look at, like, Darius Slay's contract, for example, like, it's a two-year deal. It's right. On, on, you know, when it was first reported, it was considered a three-year extension, meaning he's going to be under contract for, for four years. When you really look at it, it's, just a, it's a two-year deal worth $26 million, which actually turned out to be a pretty good deal. But in, in the 2020, excuse me, in the twenty 22 offseason, you know, they got a decision to make there. He's not going to play on his cap number that year, which is just shy of 20 million. So they're either going to redo a deal with him. He'll be 31 years old, by the way, by then. By then. So, like, you're either going to, you're either going to do, redo that deal or you're just going to cut him. And then mm. the, the ultimate outcome of that will be if you include the, the cap numbers in 2020 and 2021, and then the dead money charge if you cut him, it adds up to 26 million over two years, which is a great deal. So, I don't really see that spot as, um, I mean, sure, sh- surely it's locked down for the next two years, but you got to look toward the future still with with, uh, with Slay and his contract. And then Avante Maddox is a 5'9 outside corner. Like, they think that's going to work. I'm not so <laughs> sure on that one. So yeah. we'll see uh, how that goes. But yeah, I would still uh, put cornerback way up there in terms of need. And then, you know, as we mentioned, linebacker, we've seen a lot of them getting mocked to the Eagles in, in these mock drafts. Uh, most notably Kenneth Murray, uh, recently by Daniel Jeremiah and Dane Brugler. And then, uh, you know, Patrick Queen, I've, I've seen kind of sneak in there as well. I don't see that happening, but um, yeah, it, it certainly is a positional need. And and they are, I would be very, very surprised if they didn't address it at some point during the draft. I just don't think it's, and it's possible that it'll, it'll be addressed in the second round, but I don't see that happening at all in the first round. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, VLG sent me this note before the show. Obviously, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, as you mentioned, Jimmy, Kenneth Murray creeping up the board. They're saying he might be the first round pick there for the Eagles. And of course, the number being thrown around all the time lately, you know, since 1979. Yeah. Really not something that I expect in the first round, unless there's a trade down. There's no trade down in this situation. So we'll probably talk about cornerback next. Would you, would you agree, BLG, that cornerback, that cornerback two spot? especially since they're going to start Avante Maddox on the outside with what he's like the favorite right now. Like he played well on the outside in a couple of games for them. Houston, he played really well. Los Angeles, he played really well. He also got a lot of help with cloud coverage where he could play those underneath zones. And maybe CB2 is less important because you have a guy in Darius Slade that can shadow wide receiver one and you can just kind of take care of that. But how do, how do you land on that BLG? What's your second biggest need? Yeah, I, I get the argument for corner. Um, I like Maddox, so uh, I have some hope for him. Mike, I know you like Sidney Jones still. So future All Pro Sidney Jones, show some respect. But like, even even kidding around with that, like at least there's maybe potential there. Like in theory, like when I look at safety, like Safety's what do the Eagles too. really I'm, have? I'm there? with you there. Yeah, yeah. Like there's you can't even sell me on the idea that there's upside there. Like Jalen Mills. <laughs> is making a position change in like in a very weird way in the fact that the Eagles have been completely resistant to moving him to safety in the past. 
even though he played there, you know, at LSU. Like, they've never really even entertained that idea in the past couple years. And now all of a sudden, Malcolm Jenkins is gone, and it's just like a surefire thing that Jalen Mills is going to be able to step up and, and play in that role. Um, like, that's pretty crazy. And, and even if it, like he, it does work out, he's on a one-year deal. Like, so that's something you have to consider. And then Rodney McLeod, as I've said multiple times, like, I don't even know how good he is anymore, especially coming off last year, maybe being an extra year removed from his knee injury that he suffered in 2018 kind of helps him and but he's also over 30 now like I, I just don't know how how much you can really bank on him being good and then you know god forbid one uh, one or two of those guys gets hurt what do the Eagles have behind them nothing yeah. <laughs> it's Marcus Epps like really that's that's not a guy who I consider as someone with any kind of like starting potential that's like a fringe NFL talent uh Rudy Ford like I honestly think they should probably just cut Rudy Ford because he was so abysmal on special teams last year. Like that, I don't even know if he deserves to be on the team right now. I think now. he had like four or five like, penalties on special teams. Yeah, it, it was, he was among, a net negative. <laughs> yeah, like, I, so I don't even know. Like, what Will do they Parks, have? Like, yeah, what do they have? At and then well, obviously Will Parks is there too. But like, okay, that's another guy in a one-year deal, one point six million. And also, like, are you really counting on him being a full-time starter as much as he's kind of more of a role player and he could he might be playing like different positions in the defense so I really just think like safety there's there's no kind of long-term answer there that you can even kind of squint and look at and like and talk yourself into would you would you go wide receiver safety cornerback linebacker is that your top four needs uh probably yeah I I think linebacker they can figure out more easily uh in terms of like it's 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 kind of like running back of the defense potentially kind of like more more fungible in terms of uh, what the resources they can spend there and be fine, what they get out of. But uh, yeah, so if, I, if I'm weighing the importance of position, yes. I would put running back in there too, just in terms of them needing a body. Because they only have three mm. on the roster. So they, they usually have four or five on the regular season roster during training camp last year. I think they had... I think they had, I think it was nine running backs they had in training camp. You wouldn't really include Sproles, I guess. I mean, Sproles is one of them, so like he barely practiced at all. But um, you know that they do need bodies there. So whether they take a day three guy or just fill that with an undrafted free agent or whatever, but they do need they do absolutely need bodies there. But I, that's not a position I think they're going to take day one or day two. Yeah, I just wrote up for BleedingGreenNation.com five running backs that the Eagles could target, you know, in the in the day three area. So that's definitely a sneaky need for them just to kind of fill out the depth there. They can they can pretty much find that anywhere. It's not as pressing as a need as it has been before. But I agree, you know, they can definitely look to target that area. Jimmy, when you order it, wide receiver, where do you go from there? So I'd go uh, again if we're weighing positional importance. I'd probably go receiver, corner, linebacker, safety, running back. You know what? If, I'm sorry. If we're weighing, uh, if we're weighing positional value, I pro- you know I'd probably go defensive end uh, over running back for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then you know, interior offensive line is is probably ahead of that too, because you don't know when. You know what? If I'm just gonna throw out a <laughs> just let's just spitball here on this one. Okay. Jason Kelsey has not announced that he's coming back yet. Okay. We're, think, yeah. We're, it's April. We're recording this on April 15th. He hasn't he hasn't said he's coming back. The team hasn't said he's coming back. Is it possible that? He and the team already know he's not coming back and they just haven't said anything so that, you know, the team can kind of mask uh, the urgency of filling that position. That's that's an interesting point. But I think that the, the way that they read it, didn't they restructure his contract last offseason? And I, and I thought when they did that, the way it was set up, didn't it suggest 
that that Kelsey was definitely going to play another year after that, or am I wrong on that? Am I am I off? Well, so he's getting a lot more money than he was, than he was before. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's structured in a way where he has incentive to play. Uh, whereas you know, before he got that new deal, he wasn't he wasn't among the the top paid centers in the NFL. Really, he, he yeah, it was more like a anyway. year to year feel. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's you know it incentivized him. But he just had a kid, so who I mean, who knows? We, we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard he's coming back yet. BLG, are you concerned about that at all? Uh, it's nine point. It'd be a nine point six million against the cap. Like they'd lose nine point six million if he retired. Uh, it'd be seventeen million in dead money. Uh, if he retired uh, ahead of the season. The Eagles did use him in some promotional material uh, when COVID was starting, and he had that they put that out that little video. I don't know if that means anything. If you want to go into the conspiracy <laughs> angle, you could say that that is... Uh, stacking conspiracies here. That yeah. is, uh, you know, they, they put that out. So, again, to hide their need. They are showing a lot of interest, apparently, in uh, Cesar Ruiz, Camden native. That, that was actually the name I was going to bring up because, like, last year I was thinking, okay, because it was more in question last year, and I was thinking, okay, well, Garrett Bradbury would probably be the guy you would want to replace him if you're going for, like, a top guy. This year I think it's definitely Cesar Ruiz. So if they pick Ruiz, I think we know what it means about <laughs> right. Kelsey. Who knows? May, maybe that is a sneaky thing. And, I, and I've always kind of felt like they should definitely – always address the offensive line, keep that as a strength of, of, of your offense and always try to fill out depth there. It's not the sexy pick, but you know, a lot of times it it's the reason that the Eagles have success on offense and replacing Kelsey is no small thing at all. He is the catalyst of that offense. He makes that thing go. What he's able to do with his, his, his athleticism in space and everything like that, uh, it really opens up the playbook for the offense. So a loss of him would be massive. So we'll see what happens with that. When we come back, here on the uh, BGN Draft Special, we're going to talk about some of these defensive players and then make our pick at 21 as we have uh, gone far off the path here. But that's all right. We'll be right back. Back after this. And we are back here on the BGN Special. We're talking about the SB Nation Community Mock as we do each year. We have a decision to make at 21. So we kind of talked about the different needs and, and ordered them. Let's, let's talk about some of the players. Quickly, I don't think you said anything on this, BLG, but do you think a linebacker is in play at all at 21, or we can we just basically dismiss Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray despite what Jeremiah and Brugler are saying? Yeah, I think the DJ thing, if we're going, getting back to conspiracies here, is that like Howie, who has a good relationship <laughs> with Daniel Jeremiah, is like, hey, uh, DJ, why don't you uh, put a linebacker there? Kind of make our <laughs> super obvious need for wide receiver a little less obvious. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's going to work, but... Uh, I think that's kind of what that might be coming from there. And by the way, it should be noted in that mock where DJ has uh, the Eagles taking uh, Kenneth Murray, like Jefferson's already off the board. Like this isn't like they're uh, passing on Justin Jefferson to take a linebacker. Like Je Jefferson's going off the board before uh, 21 there. So uh, I think you have to consider that. And yeah, I don't, you just look at the the history. It's 1979, how he's only taken two linebackers ever. Uh, I just, I can't see it. So as we look at like what's out there, Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson, BLG is leaning with Jefferson. So that that's our offensive guy right there. As far as the defensive guys, we'll look at the two uh, defensive backs that I was talking about before. Grant Delpit, the safety at LSU, and then Jeff Gladney, the cornerback from TCU. Jimmy, who would you pick between them? Would you throw in another name like Ashton Davis from Cal? Like what are you looking at if they go defense at 21? I love Gladney. Yeah, that's me too. a that's a tough little dude. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't take him in the first round. Like, but if he's if he's there at fifty three, obviously in a heartbeat, I'd be all over that. Even if you move up a little bit from fifty three, I'd be fine with that. 
but I, I really like him as a player. And the, the thing that I really like about him is, you know, unlike uh, Sidney Jones, for example, who's had trouble, you know, kind of staying on the field. Jim Schwartz talked about this during the season. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he talked about like uh, cornerbacks that are impressive in the weight room. And it's not that like being strong. The question was posed to him in, in a way that like, why, why is it bad that Sidney Jones is, isn't strong? And he said strength on the field from the cornerback position isn't super important, but he found that like the guys that, you know, are 300 pound benchers, as he put it, or that like, you know, are, are, you know, big weight room type guys, they tend to stay healthy. They tend to, you know, not get hurt as much as the, as the weaker guys. And uh, Gladney is, he made, uh, you know, that Bruce Feldman freak list, mm. you know, during, during the off season. And it had, it, I don't remember what it was, but it listed all his sort of uh, credentials in terms of how much that guy can lift and squat yeah. and whatever. And it was pretty ridiculous, like how, how strong that dude is. So in terms of his being able to stay durable, I mean, you look at the Eagles, by the way, like the number of injuries that they've had. I think cornerback, we're looking at, you know, when we talk Eagles injuries, I think wide receiver is kind of on our brains because they lost Jeffrey last year and they lost Deshaun last year and they lost uh, Aguilar and right on down the line. Cornerback was the huge position that they that they got really destroyed on the year before. Remember that Saints game where they're rolling out guys like Shannon Sullivan and Devontae Bosby? Like that that yeah. almost wrecked their season. It's a good thing they had Malcolm Jenkins to kind of keep it all together. But that corner position has been really trouble has been a really trouble spot for them in terms of uh, durability, and I think he solved some of that. Yeah, I agree. And when you look at like when Football Outsiders puts out their adjusted games loss that year, the Eagles were like dead last for defensive backs and their injuries, and it didn't get a whole heck of a lot better last year. So that's definitely a big thing. I love Gladney, and he he is a guy that I would consider in the first round. Twenty one, I think, is a bit rich. I'm. I'm Super tick that Christian Fulton isn't on the board because if he was, I'd be pounding the table for him. Uh, Xavier McKinney is an interesting guy. I don't think he has the range to play free safety and whatnot, but like super smart guy that Saban trusted a, a lot, put a heavy load on him in that defense, played him some at linebacker uh, because they had some injuries there as well. And he's a smart dude, could process it all, communicate it. Uh, when you're looking at Delpit, like I, I really like the idea of him playing single high and whatnot. I think LSU did what they could to try to hide him from man coverage. I think that's a weakness of him. And of course, you know, with the collarbone surgery that he had and he didn't really want to tackle last year, I just have so many questions about him that I think he's outside uh, of the range for me there. I might even like Ashton Davis from uh, from Cal a little bit better who didn't get to test at the combine. I think if he did, a lot of people would be talking about him as a first round prospect. So BLG, anybody from the defensive side of the ball there left at 21 that you would make a case for as being a discussion uh, along with those wide receivers that we mentioned. Wasn't super tempted in that regard. <laughs> uh, as, as I've said on the speed, I, I just find it so like hard to believe almost that they can they can afford to do that like afford to go defense in the first round. Here's my question for you guys: What have the Eagles done this offseason to help Carson Wentz? They re-signed Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, that's it. Like they <laughs> they've literally done nothing. They've not done one thing. Nothing. It would just be frustrating to me. Also, kind of just weird to me that for a team that seems to value offense so much more in general, you know, when you look at their head coaching hires, the Eagles are very always offensively focused. I think Jeffrey Lurie is a pretty progressive owner in terms of uh, football, especially too. Uh, and I, I think he knows like that offense matters more than defense. Yet the Eagles have spent all their free agency resources on defense, and they're going to spend another like a fir- their first round pick 
on the, that same like on defense too like I, I just think man that's a lot and uh although it does speak to Jim Schwartz's influence potentially do you, do you think it speaks to the fact that they want to have a complete roster when they enter the draft or at least free themselves up to go offensive heavy by taking care of the defensive side of the ball in free agency uh I would hope so but then <laughs> that's the but that's the thing though like if you're doing that then why are you also taking a first round corner like what are we what are we doing here? right right yeah um, yeah and, and if you're not going to address receiver at all, which I think is silly still, like in, in no fashion at all in free agency, and, and just not to do it in the first round, I just I think it makes it such an obvious need then at 52. Like, how can they not go wide receiver at in the second round if they don't take one in the first? Like, right. they have to. They have yeah. to at that point. They can't not. Their next pick after that is basically like an early four because it's a, it's a, the third round compensatory pick. So uh, I, I really am locked in at wide receiver at 21 which isn't a great spot to be in admittedly you don't want to pick for need but this is kind of like i feel like the corner the eagles have boxed themselves into so the gm is telling us get me a wide receiver my guy is denzel mims jimmy you're on the justin jefferson train right that would be your pick at 21 I'm going chalk with jefferson at 21 yeah chalk with jefferson at 21 blg is your is that your final answer is your final pick is uh justin jefferson there at 21 well, the pick is in. I'm going to officially make the pick now, even though it's already posted online. So you, you, there's a chance you've already seen this. You know, uh, by the by the way, Mike, uh, you, Michael, sorry, you missed. You mentioned uh, Justin Herbert hadn't been picked yet in that yeah. mock, and you mentioned um, the Patriots uh, being contenders to, to trade up. But I think there's more than that. I mean, you look at you got the Patriots there at 23. If the Saints at 24, yep. you have the Dolphins at 26 if they don't take one at 5. Do the Jaguars pick in the front end of the second? I mean, they uh, they might be aggressive and move up in that situation. Like, it's it doesn't cost as much as moving up from 9 to, like, 3, I don't think. The Vikings might be kicking themselves a little bit for redoing uh, Kirk Cousins' deal at that point. And then tearing the roster down around them? Yes. Amazing. So, no, there are a lot of teams in play there. And it's like, if you look at Miami, too, at pick 26, if they don't get a quarterback right there, then they would definitely be looking to move up. Like there's a lot of different uh, scenarios there. Even the Packers, like at 30, if they can find themselves like yeah. an heir apparent, they can. If they can, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation that, then that might be something to look at uh, as well. So yeah, definitely a lot of uh, guys on the board there. But BLG, the pick is in. We've delayed you long enough. Who is it? Uh, yeah, what is this here, Jimmy? Bringing up a whole new topic right before the pick's <laughs> gonna be. Made. Is this some like uh, Dave Gettleman like draft? You know, I know you're. I know you're older, Jimmy, but I, I don't know if you, you know how the technology works these days. Um, it's a classic Jimmy tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i going to Justin Jefferson at number 21. The pick is in. I think something you kind of hit on, Kissed, earlier and something I've been thinking about is what is one of the biggest issues the Eagles wide receivers like had last year? And I think you could say speed for sure. That's definitely been something I've been harping on, but I would also say reliability. Like, yeah, these guys couldn't catch the ball. You couldn't trust the guy to run the right route. You couldn't like like what you just there was no they weren't reliable in any way for like a good portion of the year, really until the end of the year when you had like Greg Ward come in and like against all odds become reliable for Carson Wentz. And I think that's what Justin Jefferson is. Like he's a reliable player. I also think he's just a dog. Like I don't think but that gets talked way, about enough. Way better, obviously. <laughs> the Greg Ward. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hopefully. I think people counting on Ward. I, I, I don't love this idea that like I've seen that like oh why do you need a slot receiver? You just have Greg Ward. Like that's not really a a super real plan to me. And I, and I like Greg Ward, so it's like nothing against him. But I just think Jefferson checks a lot of boxes in terms of athletic profile. And when people talk about him and his struggles on the outside, which by the way, uh, BGN Radio's own 
Mark Schofield had a really good post about that on Touchdown Wire uh, and looking at Jefferson on the outside a little bit. I mean, you have to consider, too, he was 19 playing outside against SEC defenses yeah, yeah. in 2018. Like, I think there's room to grow. I think you look at his work ethic. That's another great thing in his favor. That kind of speaks to, like, the dog attitude he has. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who was talking about, like, how Jefferson was kind of, like, the alpha in that wide receiver room at LSU. Like, I, I just think he checks so many boxes. I don't think the fit is perfect, but I think you can't. You can't put too much stock into that. Like you, you can't just only look at fit here. Like I think people are kind of overthinking that at some point, and you just have to get a good player. I think Jefferson's going to be a good player. I also don't even think he's going to be there at 21. Like right. I, I don't think he's going to be on the board still. It seems like uh, the way things are trending that he might not be there. Uh, DJ recently kind of threw out the idea that the Broncos could take him at 15. Uh, especially looking at how they really struggled in red zone and third down situations last year. And that could kind of just be like a really reliable guy for Drew Locke. So uh, I think Jefferson makes a lot of sense for a team that has struggled to evaluate and develop wide receivers. I think he's just the safe bet. I think that's something that is valuable, especially in this draft when there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknowns. Uh, I, I just think you need to come out of this with a good receiver. You can't come out of this being like, oh, well, we, we, we swung big, but we missed, and now we still have nothing at receiver. Like, get Carson Wentz some help. Invest in the receiver position. I think Jefferson makes the most sense. Just get him. Yeah, and I think people are making too much of the immediate fit, like the year one fit. Well, Zach Ertz does this. Dallas Goddard does this. Greg Ward does that, so on and so forth. What about two, three years down the line? And typically, the Eagles are a pretty forward-thinking team with their draft picks. Like, they're, they're not thinking about one year. They're thinking about the future. That's typically how it has, has worked with them. And maybe at some point, they know that they have to make a decision between Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, which, you know, Dallas Goddard might not want to be back if Zach Ertz is extended and they may have a choice to make there. So that's something that you can look, you know, down the line for the future. Deshaun Jackson's getting older. Alshon Jeffrey might not be on the team this year. So there's definitely a role for Jefferson, not only this year, even though it might be a more narrow role, he's still going to get a lot of snaps. And then you look into the future, like he, they're hoping that when you pick somebody at 21, that he can become your wide receiver one at Z and, and so on and so forth. So I do agree. It's a bit short-sighted to be obsessed with the fit this year, even though I might be a little bit inconvenient. Jimmy, would you agree with that? Or yeah, have I gone yeah. too far I mean, there? even round one, I'm sorry, not round one, even year one, when you look at uh, the number of targets that Nelson Aguilar got over the last three years, he's if he played the whole season last year, he'd be averaging about 100 targets per year. He had, 90, mm-hmm. he had 95 in 2017. He had 97 in 2018. He had 69 nice in uh in this past season, but he only played in 11 games. So he was on he was on pace for a little bit over 100 in this past season. And you look at the number of plays that he left on the field. Like, how many yeah. more games do they win if he makes the plays that he should have made? Right. Yeah. So I think you kind of maybe look at it that way in year one. And you're absolutely right. I'm with you in terms of we can get a little bit too focused on uh, year one at times. But what is he going to give you? in years two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I I think he's a really solid player. Um, I know that like production has kind of become sort of like a, like, like it doesn't matter anymore because they took, they took like a, they took a lot of like productive college players uh, in, in, in recent drafts. His historic class is also a pejorative too. (laughs) Most notably he who should not be named, uh, which would be funnier if Ben were on the podcast right now. Um, (laughs) but, but so that's kind of become like, it's sort of like an ew kind of thing. Like, ew, he was productive in college, but you know, that's actually pretty good. Like it's, it's not a bad thing to be productive in college and his production in college was really just outstanding. So 
I think it's, it'll translate to the NFL. And I think, as Brandon said, he gives you a guy who can help out Carson Wentz. And look, people think, like, I hate Justin Jefferson, and I wouldn't be – and I, I picked Mims in this scenario, but, like, if they pick Jefferson, I'm definitely not upset. I think he's a really good player. He's a top 30 player on my board. I think he's going to be a productive pro, and like I said, he has a high floor. So I'm on, I'm on board with all this. Before we go, uh, one last point that, that I wanted to touch on here, BLG said he wanted to talk about the possible return – of LaShawn McCoy. Are we in or out? BLG, I'll start with you. Uh, it's not going to happen, I would say. <laughs> Although, <laughs> not. I, I will add that, like, they have tried to require him. Like, there, there's been reports and uh, from multiple years past that the Eagles, like, they, they have, like, multiple times. Like, I think 2017 and in the Super Bowl year at one point, and I think it was in the summer uh, of 2017 that they tried to do that. There was talk that they were looking into him around the 2018 deadline, even when the Bills uh, cut him last summer, I believe. Yeah. Like, the Eagles were in the mix there as a team that might bring him back. The Eagles obviously haven't uh, given out his number since he has left Philly. 25 has always been available. So, I like, I don't think it's a 0% chance because they seem to, like, really love him i don't know if that's lurry or whoever um so i don't want to say zero percent but i just i think you know you, you look at like the success of Corey clement and who by the way they could bring him back he's a free right. agent uh and like boston scott like why not take a chance on another young guy at running back as opposed to a guy who is you already know what he is um i mean maybe signing shady makes sense like if there's an injury in season and if he's available uh, and you kind of just need to bring someone back, although that didn't really work out so well with Jay Ajayi last year. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't I don't think it's realistic. Yeah, like you said, they've gotten so much production out of these younger guys at low capital cost with Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Jay Ajayi was a was a low capital investment. Like Garrett Blunt, Darren Sproles, like uh, even even Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement, you know, had their moments where they had decent games. This is the one position I think that they're you know along with offensive line really good at developing players, and that's a testament to to Deuce Staley and the job that he does there so i don't think you need to go grasping after an older back that was a healthy scratch in the super bowl playing for his old ball coach uh jimmy you're out on that as well i'm assuming my official analysis <laughs> <laughs> but 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 actually the one argument that i've seen is that he can mentor miles sanders no i don't i don't want him mentoring what? anybody <laughs> like are you kidding me like Deuce Staley's a very good running backs coach. Like right. he's he's your mentor, okay? Right. Like they're they're good with how Miles Sanders is going to develop under Deuce. All right. So don't worry about that. Yeah, and Darren Sproles is in the building too. <laughs> also true. Also yep. true. So yeah. I mean, you, you have you have McCoy. Andy Reid thought he was cooked last year because he was a healthy scratch for the Super Bowl. In my view, I wouldn't spend anything on that position and like right. anything anything worthwhile, like a day three pick for a guy who's worth it. Absolutely. Like AJ Dillon sitting there in the fourth in the in the fourth round? Fine. Joshua Kelly in the fifth round? Absolutely. UDFA who costs nothing for three years? Sure. <laughs> but I'm not filling that with, with a guy who I mean, what's what's he gonna cost, by the way? Like is he coming here on a veteran minimum contract? Probably not. So no, I mean I, I I'd be out totally on LaShawn McCoy. I I like I love him to be in the locker room because he's a great quote, but I'm good on that. So that wraps up uh, that subject, and that wraps up this uh, BGN radio special. BLG, any last words before we get out of here? Yeah, so Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, April 17th, doing a little rewatch of an old Eagles game that Seamus Clancy put together. 44-6, the old Eagles-Cowboys game, uh, week 17 from the, what, 2018 or 2008, I should say, season there. Uh, a really fun game to, to look back upon, so... Uh, definitely check out bleedinggreennation.com for more details about that. And you can join in on Twitter conversation about that 
uh, once the rewatch starts at 7 o'clock on Friday night with hashtag BGN446. Trivia, who had the big game for the Raiders against, who were they playing? Was it the Bears that they, that they, the Raiders? Oh, it was the, the big running, but the, was it Michael Bush? The, that's correct. Yes. Good job, Michael Kest. He wore them out. He, <laughs> he wore like them out 200 so yards, I think. The big guy that, and, and didn't he, he ran the, uh, the veteran combine and he said, my career is over because he ran like a 4-9. <laughs> And then who was uh, who beat the Buccaneers? I thought I thought that was the wasn't that the Raiders against the Bucks? Was that? Yeah, you might be right. I know. Yeah. I, I think it was the Bears and the uh, Buccaneers that had to lose. The teams oh, that had okay. to beat them were the Raiders and I think the Texans. So maybe it was the Texans that that beat the Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There but you Michael go. Bush went off that yeah. day. <laughs> he snapped. Good trivia question. All right, we might as well get the heck out of here. We all we got. We, we all we need. Fly Eagles fly. P G N.